This morning, I wanted to read a, a great word from one of the Psalms that I came across this week in my personal study. Uh, it's from Psalm chapter 37, and some selected readings from this great chapter, uh, verses 23 through 26, and then verses 39 through 40. David, the psalmist, says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. What a great word of encouragement for us in these troubling times. Friends, we have a faithful God. We have a sovereign God. We have a God who is upholding us with his righteous right hand, even in the midst of our turbulent times. We can have confidence in him, and we can rejoice and give thanks in him. And I pray that that's an encouragement to you this morning. Well, friends, I, I just wanted to share a, a couple quick announcements with you, especially those of you who are from our Lakes Free community here in the Chisago Lakes area. Uh, our church obviously is functioning a little differently in these uh, difficult days that we find ourselves in, but our staff has been working tremendously hard behind the scenes to try and provide uh, ongoing services to you, to our community, uh, to continue our ministry here as a church. Uh, our goal at Lakes Free is to raise up disciples of Jesus Christ and, and to equip God's people to go out into the world and serve as his ambassadors. And so that hasn't changed. Uh, our mission remains the same. We are promoting the gospel, we are raising the name of Jesus high, and we are inviting others to join us in this great journey of following Christ and helping others come to know God. And so uh, we're excited about that. I hope you stay encouraged in that as well and uh, continue to seek, op seek out opportunities to live as Jesus Christ's ambassadors. Uh, we are in a unique time where people are particularly looking for hope. They're, they're looking for answers, and, and they're looking for peace. And so I want to encourage you, church, to take advantage of this unique opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. I've heard some great stories even just this week. Uh, people have shared with me uh, through text message and emails. Uh, even last Sunday, friends and neighbors who tuned in to watch our sermon, people who normally don't come to church, who were blessed and encouraged from the message. Uh, friends, pray for that. Share the links for our sermons on Sunday mornings. Invite other people to join us. There are people whose hearts and minds and souls are uniquely open to the message of the gospel in these strange days we find ourselves in. In fact, one, one piece of encouragement I heard uh, just yesterday, our friend Judy Widmeyer, you might know the, the Widmeyers, Jim and Judy, they're down south for the winter, and uh, Judy emailed me, and uh, she shared that just this week, she had the opportunity to lead three friends to the Lord. You might see behind me today, we have the white roses on the platform, celebrating these new lives who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the kind of opportunity that we have in, 
this season. The opportunity to see people come to faith in Christ because their hearts are uniquely open to the message of the gospel. And so take advantage of those opportunities. Pray for those opportunities and invite others to come to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I, I wanted to share a couple quick announcements with you. Uh, first of all, as I said, our staff has been working hard behind the scenes to continue the ministries of Lakes Free Church. Here's a couple things you can be looking for. Uh, if you go to our church website, you'll notice that we've completely redesigned the homepage of the lakesfree.org uh, website. When you go to the homepage of Lakes Free Church now, what you will find front and center our links to watching our online content, our sermons, our live streams. You'll find links with updates, the latest news about how our church is responding to the COVID-19 circumstances here in our community. Uh, you will find prayer links where you can submit prayer requests, where we as a staff, we're going to continue to pray for you. And in those prayer links, you can indicate if you'd like a pastor to reach out to you or a staff member, or if you have needs that we can help you with. Friends, we want to invite you to take advantage of those links if there's ways that we can serve you. There's also links there where you can give to the church. One of the, one of the regular patterns of our worship here at Lakes Free is we worship the Lord through our giving. We've tried to make that as easy as possible so that you can continue to support the work that God is doing here at Lakes Free Church. Uh, friends, we've got online giving options. We have options through our Lakes Free Church app. You can mail checks and gifts through, uh, through traditional mail. You can go to your banks and set up online banking options. All of that is explained there on our website. So, again, I'd encourage you to take advantage of those, some of those unique opportunities. Also, too, this coming week, you're going to hear more from us about some additional online resources and content that we're going to provide for you. Uh, for example, our children's ministry has been working hard behind the scenes to produce a number of kids' videos that we want to provide to help your kids in this time when, when they're stuck inside more than usual. We want to encourage them. We want to help them in their ongoing growth in Christ. And so you're going to be getting information from Kelly Brogan and Lisa Lazad about some of those unique opportunities for uh, enriching your kids' spiritual journey in this time. Also, too, uh, myself and Pastor Stephen, we're working behind the scenes to produce some adult ministry video content. For example, tomorrow night, Monday evening at 7 p.m., we're going to have a, a new weekly feature during this time called the Pastor Study, where you can log in at 7 o'clock, and we're going to have an opportunity for you over the next 24 hours to email me here at Lakes Free, Jason Carlson at lakesfree.org. You can email me any questions you might have about our sermon today. You can email me reflections or responses to what I preach about from our text this morning. And in that show, the pastor's study tomorrow night at 7 p.m., I'm going to go through some of those questions, try to cover some information that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon this morning. We'll try to answer any questions that you might have. And again, just another opportunity to continue to grow together in our understanding of God's word and what we're studying together. I know Pastor Stevens working on some adult content for Wednesday nights. So again, there's going to be a lot more coming, and we'd encourage you to continue to pray for us as your staff and pastors here at the church, and keep your eyes and ears open for more, for more information about some of these unique opportunities to continue to grow in the Lord during this interesting season that we find ourselves in. 
Well, this morning, before we pray for our message, uh, one of the things that we wanted to try to do with this online worship opportunity that we have is, is provide some ways that we can have some interactive worship elements, even though we're separated by distance. And so today, uh, I've had our tech team put together some slides with a famous creed known as the Apostles' Creed. And in a minute, I'm going to invite you to join with me in reciting the Apostles' Creed. So wherever you are uh, here in our community, around the world, wherever you're watching from this morning, as I lead us, I would invite you to join me in reciting this creed that has that has been a blessing and an encouragement to the church for almost 2,000 years. Uh, some people trace this creed all the way back to the 3rd century. And so uh, this has been uh, an affirmation of the foundational truths that we hold as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's served as a source of encouragement for God's church for thousands of years, to over almost 2,000 years. So I'm going to have our tech team put the slides on the screen for you right now. And uh, I'm going to invite you, as I begin, to join me in reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, and is, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, if you would, I'd encourage you to bow your heads now and join me in a word of prayer as we ask God's blessing on our sermon this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these timeless and eternal truths that we have just declared. We thank you, Lord, for these truths that have upheld and sustained your people from the very earliest days of the church. God, we believe these truths. We profess these truths. We stand on these truths. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would again today encourage us in our faith. Strengthen us and uphold us in our faith and confidence in you. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word once again to the book of Philippians, I pray that the Apostle Paul's words this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, would encourage us. A great passage dealing with Paul's prescription for peace in our lives. Lord, you know we need your peace today. You know in these turbulent times we find ourselves in, we need your peace now as much as ever. And so, God, I just pray that as I share this message and as your Holy Spirit illuminates your word for us, that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that we would be affirmed in the peace that we have. And you, our great God, 
our great Savior, Jesus Christ. God, bless our sermon this morning. Help me to proclaim your word faithfully. Speak to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, if you're like me, I can imagine you've been spending a lot of time this week watching the news, trying to just figure out and discern what exactly is going on in our world today. We, we've seen the exponential growth and, and rapid spread of this coronavirus all over the world. And, and I know that many of us are troubled and concerned by these events. I know that we've all been praying Asking God to protect us, to protect our church, our family, our friends. Asking God to protect people around the world. Many of us have been hopeful and and watching and praying for a a cure for this coronavirus and and COVID-19. Some of us may have been encouraged this week as we've been hearing some preliminary reports that different medications are are being tested and, and are hopefully on the way to provide resolution to this illness i've heard things for example like like the the possibility that different malarial drugs might work to to help stem the increase of the coronavirus i've heard things like the the doctors looking for for blood serum from people who have uh, overcome this illness already and using their blood plasma to provide an antidote for those who are currently infected. Friends, we can take hope in these things and we can pray that God would help deliver these things. We, we can pray for the companies around the world that are working and the doctors who are working feverishly to try to find an answer to this illness. And so as we hope and pray for a response to this illness physically, this morning, I want to encourage us with the reality that God has given us a remedy to this illness and the anxiety and restlessness that it's caused many of us. He's provided a remedy for us in his word. In fact, this morning, we're not going to talk about the the potential physical cures as much as we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's prescription for peace in our lives in the midst of these trying days that we find ourselves in. Friends, did you know that God has given us a prescription, uh, an antidote for fear, an antidote for worry and anxiety and concern? He's given us a prescription for peace in his word, and we're going to look at it here in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. This is truly an incredible passage for us to study today. And and I want to share something really fun with you. Friends, I put together my sermon calendar for this year last June. I planned out our whole year and every sermon, every Sunday, last June, almost a year ago. And friends, God knew, God in his sovereign wisdom knew that today we would be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. We would be studying the Apostle Paul's prescription for peace. Friends, God knows we can be encouraged by that. These days did not surprise our Heavenly Father. God is overseeing all of these circumstances, and he has sovereignly ordained in his wisdom that today we should be in this incredibly encouraging passage where the Apostle Paul gives us his prescription for peace. We, we've seen in the last two weeks how the Apostle Paul has encouraged us to, to look to the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, the Apostle Paul said that Jesus is the greatest treasure of all. 
His worth surpasses anything that this world has to offer. And then last week we saw as, as the Apostle Paul encouraged us to, to run the race, to, to run the race of life and discipleship in pursuit of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the greatest treasure of all. And so Paul last week encouraged us, press on. Press on in pursuit of Christ. And now today, as we turn to chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is going to encourage us in how we can live experiencing the peace of Christ. Friends, I know all of us are looking for peace today. And you're not going to find it in any other better place than here in chapter 4 of the book of Philippians. So I want to read our passage for us this morning. And then I want to come back today and I want to comment for you. I want to share with you Paul's eight-dose prescription for peace. Eight doses, a prescription that will lead to peace in your life. Let's read chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 together this morning. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Friends, I can sure relate to the Apostle Paul today. As he's sitting there in a prison cell in Rome, writes to his friends in Philippi, my brothers, my sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Friends, I love you. I long for you. I can't wait for the day when we're reunited here in the sanctuary, worshiping together. I know what Paul's feeling as he writes these words. He says, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia, I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What an incredible passage. What an encouraging passage for us this morning as we think about the difficult times we find ourselves in. Here, Paul, in these powerful words, provides for us a prescription for peace. He does so in eight doses. Friends, some of you have been to the doctor and they've, they may be given you one of those packets full of different doses to remedy your condition. Well, today, Paul has given us an eight-dose prescription for peace. 
The first dose in Paul's prescription for peace that we find this morning in our passage is found right away in verse 1. Paul says, stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. When Paul says, therefore, my brothers, the word therefore refers back to what we saw at the end of chapter 3 last week, where Paul declared that as followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. We are not from this world. We are just temporary strangers, temporary residents, aliens passing through. Our citizenship as followers of Christ is in heaven. And because of that, Paul says, therefore, brothers, stand firm in the Lord. Remember where your true citizenship lies. Not in this world, but we are citizens of heaven. We have a heavenly father, a heavenly king. We have a heavenly home awaiting us for all of eternity. So stand firm in that truth. Stand firm in the Lord, Paul says. Friends, understand this morning especially in these turbulent times we find ourselves in, where you stand today matters. Where you stand matters. And it makes all the difference in the world in your experience of peace. One of the things that I've been lamenting as we have been experiencing this rapid changing circumstances in our world today uh, many things have been shut down. You know, our schools have been closed, churches closed, businesses are closing, our travel plans have been interrupted. One of the things I've been lamenting is today, this afternoon, I was supposed to be on an airplane at four o'clock this afternoon, going to one of my favorite places in the world. For the last 10 years, I've had the opportunity to speak at a school in Oregon called Ecola Bible College. Uh, it's a great one or two year independent Bible school for, for young people. It's been one of the great joys of my life going to Cannon Beach, Oregon, one of the most beautiful places in the world on the Oregon coast. And, and I've been sad that even that has been canceled. You know, as I've been thinking about my past trips to the Oregon coast, I was reminded of an experience I had this past year. My brother and I teach out there together every year, and one afternoon during our free time, we went up to a, a state park right near the school where we teach called Ecola State Park, a, a beautiful state park that uh, overlooks the ocean, beautiful rock formations, steep cliffs that plunge right down into the ocean with waves uh, pounding up against them. I mean, just a beautiful place and a beautiful place to go and hike and see God's beauty in nature. I remember last year as we were hiking, we, we had walked a trail for about an hour that led down to the ocean. And, and as is so common on the Oregon coast, storms can roll in off the Pacific just like that. And, and the sky suddenly had turned gray and the wind had blown up and, and all of a sudden we saw the clouds coming into the shore and we could see the rain coming out in the distance and, and we found ourselves caught in the midst of this rainstorm. And the wind was blowing and the rain was falling and the waves started crashing with ferocity up against the cliffs nearby. And in the midst of all of this turbulent weather around me, as we were hiking up the trail, I looked up on the side of the cliff. And there up in the side of the cliff, cliff I saw a tiny little bird. A tiny little bird that was nesting in a cleft in the rock. 
He had built his nest in a cleft in the rock. And even though the wind blew all around him and the waves were pounding against the cliffs below him and the rain was falling, here was this little bird resting in the cleft of the rock at perfect peace. He was at perfect peace because he had built his nest in the solid foundation of the cliffside, of the rock. You know, friends, as I thought about that example, that story, it reminded me of a parable that Jesus once told. A parable that Jesus told about a man who built his house upon the solid rock of God's word. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, friends, Jesus tells us that where we build our house, where we base our peace and hope upon, where we build our lives really matters. It makes all the difference in the world where you build your foundation. And friends, please understand, we all build our lives upon some foundation. We all stand somewhere. Let me ask you this morning, where are you building your foundation today? Where is the foundation of your life today? Uh, Are you basing your peace and your hope upon the things of this world, like, like your bank account, like your job, like your health? Friends, isn't it interesting that a lot of the things that we typically put our peace in today are the very things that are leading to the greatest anxiety and restlessness. It reminds me a lot of what we talked about back in the fall in our opening sermon series this year in the book of Ecclesiastes. King Solomon says that everything in this world is vanity. Vanity of vanities. Meaningless. A myth, a breath, a mist, a breath, a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Friends, we're seeing the truth of that play out today like never before. This is why Paul tells his friends in Philippi. This is why I say to you today, friends, stand firm thus in the Lord. Build your life upon the sure foundation of the solid rock of God's word. That's where you'll find peace. Paul goes on to give us his second dose in his prescription for peace. Paul says, secondly, that we are to pursue unity. Friends, are you looking for peace in your life? Paul says, pursue unity in your relationships with others. Let me read verse 2 of our passage this morning. Paul says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, these two names here are obviously unique names. They're, they're ancient Greek names. But Yodi and Syntyche were two women who were obviously beloved by Paul. And, and they were women who, according to what Paul says here in verses 2 and 3, were instrumental in the church in Philippi. 
These were likely women who had embraced the gospel very early on in Paul's ministry in Philippi. They had become partners with Paul in advancing the gospel there in Philippi. And now we don't know the whole backstory. Paul doesn't tell us the backstory. But it's apparent that there had been a disagreement that had arisen between these two women. Some dispute, some relational conflict that was now causing a disruption, not only in the lives of these two women, but possibly throughout the entire church. And so Paul calls these two women, he calls them to pursue unity. He calls them, Yodia and Syntyche, I entreat you, agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord, find unity in the Lord. The word agree there that Paul uses in the Greek is a word phroneo, phroneo. It means to have the same mind, to be of the same mind. In fact, it's the very same word that the apostle Paul used. If you recall, back in our study, chapter 2, verse 5, it's the very same word Paul used there in chapter 2 when encouraging us to look to and follow Christ's model of humility. Let, let me read for us, just for a reminder, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Remember, the Apostle Paul had told us this already. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And here's that word, phroneo. Have this mind among yourselves. That's the same word as we find here in chapter 4. Have this same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Friends, when Paul tells Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord, he's reminding them of what he had taught earlier, to be of the same mind, to embrace the same attitude, the same mindset as Jesus Christ, to look to and follow Christ's model of humility. He's calling them to live out the example of Jesus in their lives. And in doing such, to pursue unity in their relationship with one another. Friends, this example here in Philippians chapter 4 is such an important model for us today. We need to pursue unity in our relationships. And especially in these difficult, stressful times we find ourselves in. You see, the reality is every single one of us, at some point in our lives, and especially in times of trial and, and, and difficulty, we'll all struggle to maintain unity in our relationships. Why? Because of sin. All of us have sin in our hearts. Even those of us who have been saved by Jesus still wrestle with the reality of our fallen sinful nature. And because of our sin, we will wrestle with things like pride and selfishness and bitterness. And friends, these things cause disruptions, fractures in our relationships with others. This is why Paul calls us to pursue unity. And I want you to notice this morning, friends, the same remedy for peace that Paul shares here with Yodia and Syntyche is the same remedy that will bring reconciliation when our relationships become fractured or strained. Just like Paul encourages Yodia and Syntyche, we too have to look to Christ. 
We too need to agree in the Lord. We too need to adopt the mindset, the attitude of Jesus Christ. The one who humbled himself. The one who modeled perfect servanthood to us. The one who gave everything out of his great love. Paul says, embrace the attitude. Froneo, share the same mind, the mind of Christ, and pursue unity with one another. I saw a beautiful example of this just this past year here in our own church. A while back, two men in our church came to me. These two men were brothers in Christ, faithful brothers who are dearly loved by many in our church. And these two brothers had found themselves in a dispute. They had found themselves in a conflict over, over finances. And, and it was a significant dispute. And it had caused a, a fracture in their relationship. And these two men had come to me and our elders, and they had asked if we would help them to reconcile this disagreement that they had. And so we met together. And, and, and both of these brothers shared their concerns. They shared their grievances. And it was a difficult situation because, because from everything that we could perceive, they both had legitimate concerns. And I remember as we met, praying, Lord, give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to, to reconcile these brothers. And church, I'll tell you something. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced in my ministry. As we met there, it was like the Holy Spirit just suddenly descended upon the room. And these two friends who had been caught in the midst of this conflict and disagreement, suddenly the whole spirit of the conversation changed. And it was almost instantly that they both declared, look it, I don't care about the money. The money's of no concern. What matters to me is my friendship with him. What matters to me is he is my brother in Christ. I want to be reconciled. That's more important to me than the money. And friends, it was such a beautiful thing. These two brothers pursuing the same mind, looking to Jesus, seeking his humility, seeking his selflessness. These two brothers asked forgiveness of one another. They, they granted forgiveness to each other. They embraced and they put their grievances behind them to pursue unity in Jesus Christ. Friends, what an incredible blessing and joy. Not only for them as brothers, but for us as a church. This is what Paul is talking about here. Pursuing unity by being of the same mind. Having the mind of Christ. Friends, we're going to need to practice Paul's remedy for peace and unity like never before in these days of isolation and social distancing that we find ourselves in. Even in the past week, I know many of us have probably wrestled relationally with our families with working with our coworkers online. If you're like me and my wife, you've been struggling with trying to keep your kids from going stir crazy in the house all day. Friends, we need to practice peace and patience and grace towards one another. We need to be of the same mind, pursuing Christ's likeness in our relationships with one another. There's going to be times in the coming days when you're going to have to ask for forgiveness and you're going to be, have to be gracious in granting forgiveness. We're going to have to reach out in love and selflessness and service like never before to one another. But friends, if you'll pursue Paul's remedy for peace here, froneo, 
Be of the same mind. Have the mind of Christ. Look to Christ. Follow his example. Ask him to help you foster unity and reconciliation and peace. Friends, I promise you, God will do that for you. The third dose that Paul gives us here in our passage, his third dose in our prescription for peace, Paul tells us, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Take a look at verse 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, friends, once again, Paul returns to what has been the dominant theme in his letter here in the book of Philippians. The theme of rejoicing. You might remember a few weeks ago, chapter 3, verse 1, we saw the Apostle Paul declare, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me. Friends, you might remember I talked about that. Why was it no trouble? Because Paul has found the source of joy. Paul was a man abounding in joy. Paul was saying to his friends in Philippi, Look, I'll write about joy all day long. It's no trouble. And here again in chapter 4, what comes up again? Joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Friends, Paul discovered the secret to true joy in his relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, the word rejoice literally means to return to the source of your joy. Paul had found the true source of joy in his faith in Christ, his walk with Christ. And now he's encouraging us to return to the source of our joy. To look to Jesus. And I want you to notice here in verse 4 of our passage this morning. This is a command, not a suggestion. Rejoice in the Lord always. And not only is it a command, it's an order without exception. And just to be clear, just to make sure we don't miss it, Paul says again, I will say rejoice. Friends, what does Paul want us to do? He wants us to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord always. But as I thought about this this week, I stopped and I had to ask myself, is, is Paul really serious about this? Some of you might be thinking, come on, how realistic is this? Rejoice always in everything, in all our circumstances, in a world today that is being ravaged by a virus that seems to be spreading out of control. Paul wants us to rejoice even in this? Well, friends, yes, he does. It's not a suggestion. It's a command without exception. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. See, friends, we need to realize here that Paul was no stranger to hardship and trial. Paul very intimately knew the reality of the pains and burdens of this world. He was a man who had experienced beatings, insults, imprisonment. In fact, he's writing these very words to us from a prison cell in Rome. Yes, friends, Paul knew trial and hardship. But even in the midst of all of that, Paul was a man abounding in joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. You see, what Paul knew and what we too can know is that Christian joy isn't based on our circumstances. Our joy is founded in the one who superintends our circumstances. You see, as Christians, friends, we can rejoice in all things because our trust is in a God who is sovereign and good. 
And so we rejoice in the Lord always. What does this look like? Well, well, I would suggest three ways that we can rejoice in the Lord always. Number one, we can rejoice in what God has already done. We can rejoice in what God has already done. The apostle Peter in first Peter chapter one, verses three through six says this. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Here Peter tells us we can rejoice in what God has done. We can rejoice in what God has done in our salvation. It's already been accomplished. We are citizens of heaven. We are secure in Jesus Christ. So friends, rejoice in that. Secondly, we can rejoice this morning in what God is doing. Not only what God has done, but what he is doing. Look at what the apostle James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 and verse 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Friends, we can rejoice in what God is doing Because even in the midst of our trials and in our tribulations, he is working to mature us, to grow us, to produce greater Christ-likeness in us. Thirdly, we can rejoice in what God will do, what God's going to do in the future. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Friends, all things work together for good according to the sovereign will and purposes of God. I'll tell you something this morning, friends. If you trust in the sovereign goodness of our Lord, you can be like Paul and rejoice in all things because you understand that no matter our circumstances, we have hope in our sovereign good, good, our sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ. So rejoice in the Lord always. Paul's fourth dose in his prescription for peace here in our passage this morning is live reasonably. In verse five, Paul says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, he says. The word reasonableness here has been historically difficult for translators to to translate into English. Because the word reasonableness here in the Greek, the word is epiakis, epiakis, and it has a number of different connotations. It, it can sometimes be translated as gentleness or kindness or forbearance. 
Some of your Bibles might translate that word differently. Probably the best way to summarize what Paul is saying here is, is using the word gracious. Let your graciousness be evident to all. See, Paul's calling us to, to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Paul, Paul's encouraging us here. Look at if you want to be a people of peace, let your lives look like Jesus Christ. Let your lives look like Christ, a life of graciousness. In fact, Jesus used this very same word, epi-e-case, to describe himself. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus said, using this very same word, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, there's that word, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Friends, a gentle, reasonable spirit a gracious spirit is like healing ointment to a world that is ravaged by fear and disunity. Friends, we live in a world today ravaged by fear and disunity. All you need to do is watch your nightly news. This week, I've seen politicians calling each other names. I've seen stories of people taking advantage of others. I've seen people hoarding supplies. Friends, I'll tell you something. The world doesn't need more contention and selfishness today. It needs more grace. The world doesn't need more Christians who can argue their political positions on Facebook. The world needs Christians who can bless others with the healing graciousness of Jesus Christ. Friends, do you want to experience peace in your life? Then pursue and pattern your life on the Prince of Peace. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, Paul says. Fifthly, Paul's fifth dose for peace today in his prescription for peace, Paul tells us banish anxiety. Banish it. Banish anxiety. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul tells us here, banish anxiety. The, the Proverbs, Solomon in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, tells us that anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Friends, maybe you have been on a hike before and you've carried the burden of a heavy backpack. A few weeks ago, I was down at a pastor's conference in Austin, Texas, and I remember coming home, walking through the airport in Austin, Texas. My backpack was full of books and my laptop, and it was heavy, and it was burdensome, and I had to walk all the way down to the farthest gate. And I remember, as I was walking, feeling the burden of the weight of that backpack. Friends, that's what Solomon tells us here in Proverbs twelve twenty-five: Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. This is why the Apostle Paul commands us here to banish anxiety. You see, Paul doesn't want us weighed down with fear. He wants us pressing on in faith. And I want you to notice, friends, what directly precedes this command to banish anxiety. What directly precedes it? At the end of verse 5, Paul says, The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Friends, as Christians, we have the ability to banish anxiety from our lives because we know that the Lord is at hand. Jesus is always with us. 
In fact, you might remember what were the very last words that Jesus shared with his followers in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus' last words to his followers, And behold, I am with you always, always, even to the end of the age. Do you believe this, friends? I hope you do, because it's true. This past week, I've been doing a lot of reading. Some of my my favorite things to read are history. I I also love reading some of the great biographies of, of saints who have gone before us, living faithfully in pursuit of Jesus Christ. This past week, I read a biography of a a Romanian pastor during the time of the Soviet Union, a man named Joseph Son, T-S-O-N. I'd encourage you to look him up online, some, some powerful teachings and powerful readings about his life. Joseph Son was a Romanian pastor who stood up to the communist government in his nation, the communist government who was suppressing faith and closing down churches. Joseph Sohn was a leader in Romania. He had been arrested by the communists. He had been imprisoned and interrogated and beaten, tortured for Christ. During one of his interrogations, the communist interrogator said to Pastor Sohn, Don't you know that I have the power to kill you? And Sohn replied to his interrogator, Yes, but don't you know that I have the power to die? Friends, where does this kind of courage come from? It comes from living with the knowledge that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Friends, are you anxious today? Remember, the Lord is with you. No matter where you are, the Lord is with you always. He's there with you today as you sit in that hospital bed. The Lord is with you today at home in this time of isolation. The Lord is with you today as you wonder what's going to happen with your job in the coming days. Friends, banish anxiety knowing that the Lord is with you. Paul's sixth dose in his prescription for peace this morning, found in verses 6 and 7, Paul says, pray thankfully. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this supernatural peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, pray thankfully. Now, friends, I want you to notice the contrast here in verse 6. The contrast from verses 6 to verse 7. Paul says, do not be anxious for anything, but pray for everything. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray for everything. Friends, prayer is the antidote to anxiety. I, I know one of the common items that has been in high demand lately are these little bottles of hand sanitizer. I mean, just think how often we used to take these things for granted. This bottle of hand sanitizer here kills more germs, kills more than 99.99% of germs. And you want to know something, friends? Prayer is God's spiritual sanitizer for anxiety. You want to kill more than 99.99% of your anxiety? Turn to the Lord in prayer because it will kill 100% of your anxiety when you turn to the Lord in prayer. Not only prayer, Paul says, but the prayer of thanksgiving is the remedy for fearful living. 
Why is Thanksgiving a remedy for fear? Because friends, Thanksgiving is a posture of trust. When we give thanks to the Lord, we are saying to God that we trust you in your sovereign will and plans, no matter our circumstances. It's a posture of trust and it's a posture that will bring peace. I was talking recently with a couple of friends who are in the midst of a difficult battle with cancer and they were struggling. They were struggling, understanding God's will and plan and purpose in all of this. And I remembered back a few years ago to our family's own battle with cancer when my wife was struggling with cancer. And friends, I can't tell you how many times over the course of that nearly two-year battle, all we could do was pray. But I'll tell you something, friends, when we prayed and when we gave thanks to the Lord for all of his blessings in our lives, even in the midst of that difficult battle with cancer, we experienced God's peace. God gave us his peace. It's a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't even explain it to you, friends, but it's true. And if you'll cast all your cares upon the Lord, if you'll turn to him in prayer with thanksgiving and gratitude, God will give you his peace. In fact, prayer will not necessarily change your situation, but it always will change your orientation. In fact, Paul tells us here in verse 7 that prayer will actually move us from a place of stress to a place of rest. Let me read verse 7. Paul says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard there in the Greek can also be translated as garrison. What is a garrison? A garrison is a body of troops that are stationed to keep guard. Paul probably had in mind here the Roman garrison that guarded the city of Philippi, guarding that city against attackers from outside. Paul says when we turn to the Lord with prayers of thanksgiving, he will garrison our hearts and our minds with the peace of God. The prophet Isaiah understood this very thing. The prophet Isaiah told God's people thousands of years earlier in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 through 4, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Friends, trust in the Lord. Turn to him in prayer. He'll give you his peace. Paul's seventh Dose in his prescription for peace this morning found in verse 8. Paul says, reflect well. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Paul sums up these six virtues here at the end. If there is anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Reflect on these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. I read a great article this week published by the Gospel Coalition, a man named Trevin Wax. The, the title of the article was No Meat and Potatoes, But the Candy Aisle is Full. Trevin Wax talked about a recent visit to his local grocery store. And if you've been to the stores lately, friends, you know that in, sometimes the shelves have been barren. But Trevin Wax recognized that as he walked the shelves, all of the, the essential items, those shelves were empty. But guess what? When he walked past the candy aisle, the candy aisle was full. 
You see, friends, in times of crisis, we go for what we most need, not for what we most like. We need what sustains us. And the same is true when it comes to experiencing peace and the trials of life. We need the meat. We need the sustenance of God's eternal truth. This is why Paul tells us here in verse 8 that what our minds reflect on or meditate on makes all the difference for us. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul told the church in Rome, he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says, Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Friends, let me ask you this morning, are you being conformed by the idols of this world? Or are you being transformed by the truths of God's word? See, what you meditate on in your mind will make all the difference. And this is why we need to look to God's word. We need to look to the person of Jesus Christ. We need to remember what Paul told us all the way back in chapter 1. Philippians 1 verses 9 through 11. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. How? With knowledge and all discernment. Where does that come from? From God's word. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from where, friends? From Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Friends, where do we find what is excellent and praiseworthy? We find it in God's word. We find it in Jesus Christ. This is why Paul calls us to reflect well. We need to meditate on the truths that God has given us, the truths that will lead to peace in our lives. Lastly, this morning, Paul's eighth dose here. Paul says, if you want to know peace, practice consistently. Verse 9, Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, everything I've taught you so far, Paul's talking about. Practice these things. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Friends, we all know that what you practice is what you'll become. I've often had people ask me, Jason, how how did you become a a decent preacher? I said, look it, it's a lot of practice. Some of you have seen my daughter Addie and I over at the community center playing tennis. My daughter Addie is a tennis player. A year ago today, she wasn't a tennis player. How did she become a tennis player? She practiced. Friends, you become what you practice. And in the same way, when you practice walking with the Lord, you get the peace of the Lord. The two go hand in hand. This is why Paul says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. One of my favorite verses from Jesus is John 14, verse 27. Jesus told his followers, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you do I give to you. Friends, you're not going to find peace in the world. That's what Jesus is saying there. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. If you want peace, look to Jesus Christ. Friends, for those of you who may be watching this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to be very hard for you to know the kind of peace the Apostle Paul is talking about. It's going to be very hard for you to know the peace that Jesus wants you to have. It's only found in a relationship with him. And I'll tell you this morning, if you're out there today struggling with anxiety, looking for hope, looking for peace, if you have never turned to Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, You can do that right here this morning 
and you can experience the supernatural peace of God in your life. It happens when we confess our sins, when we acknowledge our need for Jesus as our Savior, and when we humble ourselves before him and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. And I promise you, friends, if you'll turn to Jesus, you too can experience God's peace. Now, for those of you who are already walking with Jesus, I I just want to leave you with this this morning. I want you to consider this morning, what are some specific steps that you can begin to take even this week to practice these things, to practice Paul's eight-dose prescription for peace? Paul says you, you become what you practice. If you want to be a person of peace, if you want to know the peace of God, practice these things. And so maybe for you, maybe for your family, it's going to be spending some intentional time in God's word together. Maybe you need to to practice asking forgiveness from a loved one and pursue the unity Paul talks about here. Maybe you need to make a list or, or journal all of the blessings that you have to be thankful for and pray some prayers of thanksgiving this week. Maybe you need to pray together as a family casting all your anxieties on the Lord and asking him for his supernatural peace. See, friends, any one of these eight doses of Paul's prescription for peace today will put you on the path to greater peace in your own life. Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's not wishful thinking. That's a promise direct from the Holy Spirit. Practice these things and you will know God's peace. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this prescription for peace that you've given us in the words of the Apostle Paul. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us so many ways that we can experience your supernatural peace in our life. Eight doses, in fact, that lead to peace. God, help us put these into practice today. Help us put these into practice in the coming days so that we can more thoroughly know the supernatural peace that you promise us when we walk with you. Lord, we need you today like never before. So we ask you to give us your hope, give us your peace. And if there's anybody watching here this morning or over the course of this next week who doesn't know the peace that's found in Jesus Christ, I pray that even they too would turn to you by faith trusting in you as their Savior and Lord and coming to know your supernatural peace. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace to us in the midst of the trials and storms of life. You are a good and faithful God, and we praise your name. Amen. Friends, I want to leave you this morning with this benediction from Numbers chapter 6. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. God bless you, friends. Amen.